Welcome to the podcast. My name is Father Bill W. I am an Episcopal priest living here in Austin, Texas. Had the gift of recovery for uh, the last 50 years, and I'm uh, working on the next 50 and uh, hope, hoping we go as long as we can go. <laughs> anyway, the idea behind these podcasts is um, taking folks a little deeper into the history, the spirituality, and the psychology uh, that underlie the 12 step program. 12 step uh, program saved my life and uh, and I'm uh, kind of into the giving back phase, you know, uh, trying to help people get to the essence of what the recovery journey is really about. And it's not just about going to meetings and it's not just being subservient to your sponsor. It's about growing up and being responsible and and taking a really deep spiritual journey some of the holiest and most whole people i've met have been in 12-step recovery and um but they're in a minority i gotta tell you that they are a minority uh but they've found what this journey has to offer so that's what that's what we're trying to do here and i try to get people who've who've uh, done the deal and uh taken the journey and i've got uh i got a live one that we're finishing up here. Uh, his name is uh, Dr. James Ryan. He's written a book called Recovery Writing. And if you are watching or listening to this thing on YouTube, which we can now do, you can you can see the cover of the book. Go ahead and get a copy of the book. It helps him pay the rent. And uh, this is a good thing. We don't want James being homeless again. So he's... <laughs> We, we want to keep him going. This is the final episode uh, uh, that, that we're doing. So it's kind of a wrap up. It, it's been a, a it's been a fun uh, time that, that I've had with you, James. And, and I was reflecting on writing because I did. I've never really thought about it that much. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I write. You know? <laughs> I, I, I did that in first grade and you know, learned it and all that stuff. I write. Uh, but what the hell is writing all about? when it comes to recovery and that's what your book is trying to get to what's going on there and i i I was reflecting on this a little bit this week and and what i kind of came up with is that is that when i write or paint or dance (laughs) or or do creative activities i'm getting in touch with a part of myself that is separate from my normal ego consciousness sure yeah i'm I'm allowing something to come up mm-hmm. all right and yeah. that's what's really really important uh, about about this this whole process isn't it yeah absolutely i think uh all of the practices that i've done and that i've learned about by talking to other people they all have that element to them Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, I talk about it as discovery, but it really is that uh, experience that you're talking about where I sit down to make something or, you know, I, I haven't looked at dance, but I'm sure it's very similar. Well, I haven't either. I just <laughs> threw that one in there. I like that. No, I really like that. I'm sure. I mean, it, it does take us into the realm of. Um, well, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. Dance, yeah. dance would be very uncomfortable for me. me Most of these, and, th- and there almost has to be an element of discomfort to it, doesn't there? I mean, not discomfort, different. Mm-hmm. You're not in control. 
Right. <laughs> I'm definitely not in control when I dance. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you and me are the same that way. And there's something about the, for me, the embarrassment or the awkwardness uh, that I would have to confront. And then if I did, then whatever movement or expression came out of that would be something new for me, right? And you got to own it. It's you. It came right. out of you. That's right. So That's it right. is a part of you. Yeah. And the same thing happens on the page. The same thing happens on the page, right? Exactly. When we're writing. If, if we allow ourselves to open up something else, what, something beyond the ego, like you say, then something will show up on the page that we didn't expect. Right. And... In that exchange, there's the opportunity for finding out new things about ourselves, to release things that we've always kind of known about ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, to confront those things, to own those things, uh, and then to share those things, to tell other people about them and become more whole in the process. Yeah, wholeness is the, I'm so enamored with that, that uh, I, you know, it ain't about holiness, it's about wholeness. And they're very different. They're very different. Um, I opt for the for the latter. Right. So um, <laughs> what we uh, what we're gonna do what we're gonna do in this uh, in this episode is kind of turn you loose on uh, some exercises for folks and walk us through them. I think you've selected three from they all two are from the book. I know. Uh, Maybe, yeah. maybe one is not, but That's you right. just walk us through them, introduce them uh, to us and uh, tell, tell us what you maybe want us to do and get to gain from them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the process of researching this book was, you know, a process of talking to people like you in recovery who are doing interesting writing stuff and uh, learning about the kinds of things you do, the experiences you're having, how it affects you, and then it's getting into the nitty gritty of how it's done, right? Uh, so the book is sort of full of different things like that, different exercises, different interviews, experiences with people. And then to the extent that I can, is a, a how-to section about here's how to actually do this thing, right? And it's a real grab bag of different stuff in, in writing recovery exercises. So a few that I think are interesting um, that we haven't already discussed on the podcast. Uh, one is a thing called conduct inventory. And conduct inventory is something that um, grew out of... Uh, big book sex inventory in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, when it describes how to do uh, how to write a fourth step inventory, talks about doing resentment inventory, talks about doing a fear inventory, then it talks about doing a sex inventory. It has a set of questions there and a few disclaimers and some sort of a sensibility about um, sexuality as an important thing to look mm -hmm. at. We talked a little bit about that last time, I think. So there was a... Um, a set of women that I talked to uh, who found, and this is not exclusive phenomena for women, but they, they discovered that when they got sober from their primary addiction, they stopped drinking or they stopped using drugs, a secondary addiction came up. So what, like when they stopped drinking, they found that their disordered eating reared its ugly head, right? right. And they were out of control in their, in their relationship with food. Or... Um, you know, they stopped using drugs, but then the way that they were with money kind of went off the rails, right? Um, so there's some, some other dynamic showed up to take the place of the other addiction, or it was a kind of dynamic that was there and was just hiding under the primary addiction, right? Mm -hmm. They struggled with this for a lot of these uh, folks. It caused relapse into the primary addiction. So it's pretty common. It, right, right. I get, I get clean and sober, and then I'm out of control with food. That drives me nuts, so I'm back to the drinking and drugs. Give me something. 
Yeah. Right. I was I was I was I was going to do a a, yeah. a fifth step with a guy, and, mm-hmm. uh, and we were at a treatment center. I was a chaplain there. I hope they've recovered from that by now. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're getting coffees, you know, to 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 go off to the room, and I swear to God, he put thirty uh, little packets of sugar <laughs> into. The, I'm watching them, you know, at ten. Okay, I'm watching twenty. Yeah. 30. Said, hey, Frank, what the hell are you doing here? He said, Jesus, I gotta have something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Next <laughs> so week is 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, they, and they kind of do the packets like they're doing uh, heroin. Right. You know? like, well, you don't want to miss any of the granules. Of no. Sugar. <laughs> you gotta get them all in the cup. Right. Yeah. yeah. Flick that little finger. Get, 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 get it going. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's the real stuff. No, no, no. That's 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 the dynamic, right? That's the dynamic. And so I guess the question would be, well, why sex inventory for all these different kinds of behaviors that are that are out of control? And the reason is that um, they sort of grabbed onto this notion that sex inventory could be more broadly understood as relationship inventory. Okay. Mm It's not just about sexual acts. It's about the way that you relate to other human beings in an intimate way. But even beyond that, it can be used to examine any kind of relationship that you have. So it can be your relationship to food, or it can be a relationship to money, or it can be a relationship to sex, of course, other people. But any any number of substances or behaviors, you can look at your relationship and, and kind of study it through sim- a similar set of questions. And they started to do that. They started to do that with their secondary addictions or wh- whatever, however you want to call that secondary phenomena, their disordered eating and their out of control spending and their relationship problems. Um, and they found that this was really effective in the sense that it allowed them to maintain their sobriety, their primary sobriety and allowed them to have longer periods of abstinence from the secondary out of control thing, right? Being able to like look at this thing, uh, put it on the page, gain some insight into it, have that encounter, that discovery encounter, that, that creative kind of revealing moment of what's at the core of this thing and encounter that. It lessens the intensity yeah. of, of the, the drive. The, it makes it conscious. It's unconscious. Right. And it needs to become conscious. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, and that by doing that, they were able to maintain sanity, stability, sobriety in ways that they could never do before. Right. Um, and as a result, I mean, one of the interesting things about that chapter in the book is that this whole community of women grows kind of around this practice. Um, in that one of the really core important parts of recovery writing is not just doing the writing, it's doing the sharing of the writing, right? And doing the teaching the writing to other people. Um, It's hard. If you don't say it out loud, then there's something missing from the practice, right? And if you don't share the healing with somebody else, then there's something missing from the practice. To make it a complete recovery writing experience, it goes from my discovery experience to my connection with something else, to my action in the world. And that action is both saying it to somebody and then sharing, uh, helping somebody else get the same healing, right? I'm with you. So, so the conduct inventory becomes this place where uh, primarily women, but not just women, have this experience of 
self-examination around secondary addictions and healing around them. And it creates kind of kind of a new fellowship, a new meeting develops and stuff like that. To your point of, I just want to look up the directions here. In the book, I have two different, I don't know if you're on YouTube, maybe a couple of different um, layouts for how uh, they do this inventory. There's not a, a, a fixed single way to do it. A couple of different folks told me a couple of different ways. Um, to make it conscious was your comment, right? To make something conscious. Yes. Which means that in behavior like this, in our addictions, in our secondary addictions, in our out of control behavior, there's some core or kernel to it that's kind of the driving force, which we're not really aware of when we're captured by the behavior, right? Yes. Um, and questions like the ones in this inventory are meant to sort of bring that to awareness and transform it, to contact some other power that can help us through that thing once we're aware of it, right? Right. So the questions kind of began the way that like big bookie inventory questions began. It's like, what's the problem? How have we been selfish and inconsiderate? Who got hurt? Um, where have I caused suspicion and bitterness? That's all very big book sex inventory questions, right? So what are the, what's the problem here and how, how has it caused chaos in my life? And then there's a couple questions that I think in this format, I think are really powerful. The first one is, what is this really about? What is this really about? So here's all the chaos I've caused, but what's really, what's underneath that? What's the driving motivator? What am I trying to accomplish with this? Right? And, and you, you'd better pause at that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you, you may not, you may well not know. I, w I think you have to assume that you don't. That's, I, I didn't want to be that bold, but uh, <laughs> you take it, buddy. <laughs> I really think you do. I think you're, you're right on the, on the money. And, and yeah. if, you, if, you, if you go in thinking that you can figure it out, right. you're going to miss the mark. That's right. right. So a question like that is, is a powerful one. And it's one that requires to do it well, to do it right. You really have to stop and do that opening up and op become vulnerable and sink into that discovery space. Yeah, you tell me. Yeah. Because these these are these are forces. Yeah. That have control of me. Mhm. Mm I don't have control of them. Right. <laughs> they have control of me. That's right. And that's demonstrated by the first things you wrote. What am I doing? Here's all the problems it's causing, right? Right. You demonstrating that not being in control. Right. So, yeah, it better us, right? I don't have any trouble with broccoli. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to Broccoli Anonymous. I'm not no, writing no, no. About my broccoli uh, right. encounters. You know? Yeah. I'm not right. going to go there. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But other stuff. <laughs> other stuff has power. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, what is it really about? Right. And it has to be sort of a prayerful or a dialogue kind of an exchange. Right. Right. That's right. I'm, I'm opening myself to be vulnerable and to hear something new. And that could be a dialogue. That could be like, you know, we've talk, been talking about active imagination. Right. That could be asking the behavior what it's really about, asking it to tell you. Why are you there? What are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> what you doing in me, buddy? That's right. <laughs> or it could be, you know, uh, in a kind of a dialogue with a higher power. Please show me what's going on here. Right. Right. That's right. And the last, the last question of this particular format is then how can I become God reliant? In other words, how do I, I've been trying to control this thing. 
I've been trying to control my life. I've been trying to control the whatever it is and that what's really going on column, right? right? And so how do I how do I connect with higher power in the what's really going on area, right? Because something's out of whack there. Yeah, yeah, right. And no, and none of us know what it is until we start writing. And I don't think it's going to be the same thing for two people who do the same exercise. Two people out of control in their disordered eating area of their life, acting out in similar ways, will get to what's this really about? And I think that they'll have different answers. Right. And they can deepen over time. You may be ready for one. That's right. And several years later, ready for another. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know? Right. But you got to start. You got to start. And you got to listen. You got to pay attention. And you got to put it on the page. Right. Right, right. So, so that's conduct inventory. Conduct inventory, okay. Yeah. It's a way of looking at the, really any kind of behavior or relationship that becomes problematic, whether it's a full-blown addiction or whether it's kind of a mm, secondary problematic thing that's happening. Something's going on in a relationship with a person or a substance or a behavior. You can bring light to that, right? Right. Second exercise. Mm-hmm. Ready to move on? Um, we yes, have, I like, I like this one. This one yeah. is, uh, this is good. This, yeah, comes this is going to open up a lot of doors. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, good. So this is a resilient heart and this comes to us from Margaret bullet Jonas, who some people may be, uh, familiar with her. She wrote a memoir called Holy hunger, which is about her experience of uh, food addiction. Yeah. And, uh, she is an Episcopal priest too. And her, I don't know what you call it, her appointment or her, her job is to work full-time on climate justice issues. So she's very much engaged in the process of bringing awareness to and doing social action around and conducting workshops about the changing climate and the policies that need to change in order to, you know, not roast everybody alive on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so really important work and really... Yeah. Difficult work. You're up against, when you're doing that kind of work, you're up against kind of everything. You know, you're up against the, the oil companies and the way that government works and all kinds of things that are impediments to the kind of large scale systemic change that needs to happen in order to, in order to not degrade the climate any further. So uh, important, but also painful work to be, to be into, right? A kind of activism can can lead people to be really burned out <clears throat> quite easily. Um, you can get angry and you get burned right. out of anger. Right. Uh, you can get hopeless <clears throat> and you can kind of just give up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get really cynical. So far, I've been to all of those places, James. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I know the territory. <laughs> <laughs> so she has these workshops that sound incredibly powerful. Um, for climate activists specifically, but I think this would be something valuable to anybody engaged in the work of trying to make the world a better place, which I think we're all called to do. In if you're in recovery and you get to step twelve, your your job, I would argue, is to make the world a better place than than you found it. Which right? is the basic premise that the Oxford Group started off on, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Change, change the world. That's right. But you can't change the world without changing yourself. Right. 
And right. I, hey, I tried. I mean, I was an idealist, uh, utopian. I, I would go off on all of these things to change the world, but uh, I kept right on drinking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, that's the only way I'm going to change this world. That's <laughs> Too right. much work. Jesus. That's right. You yeah. need the yeah. You need the yeah. buffer. And then when the world's fine, then you won't need to drink anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, uh this kind of is... slowed me down for about 20 years i gotta tell you you know it's like yeah. uh, work on yourself uh, okay mm. let the world go for a while right you know? right uh, but it's yeah, i think that's pick it up again you do have to pick it up again and i think i i think step 12 is the right place i don't think it's the kind of thing i could be wrong there's people who get into activism right away in yeah. their recoveries and that's great right. um for some of us, it's like, I need to get my life together, my brain together, go through the earlier steps. And then I'm in this kind of like, well, now how do I live? I'm sober now, I've had this spiritual awakening, I'm connected, I'm a new person, how, how am I supposed to live? And one of those ways I think you're supposed to live is you help other people, you make yeah, the world what, better. What is the world asking of me? Right, right. Yeah. And there are some big problems that it would be good to address like climate change, like, like many things. Right. But don't um, bring, don't bring that up at a meeting or, or they'll, they'll, they'll stone you. <laughs> well, sure, because this brings us into politics, right? And, and singleness of purpose. And you're right. That's right. So there's not the AA meeting room or the NA meeting room is not the appropriate place probably to do this, or it's not, those fellowships are not well built to handle. They're not intended to be. No, right. That's right. It's not their purpose, right? But you have to find your purpose. Yeah, that's the deeper thing, right? So uh, we got three stages here. I think they're stages. The that's awakened, right. awakened heart. Yeah, awakened What's heart, that? broken heart, radiant heart is the three. Awakened heart, broken heart, radiant heart. Yeah. Okay. Awakened take heart, take us through. Now, Margaret would be much better at explaining these. Um, so I'm going to give you my best shot at them. If you want to, if you want to look her up, she's at revivingcreation.org. You can kind of get a more insight and contact her about this stuff. Um, but awakened heart is sort of, I think, what we go through um, in in recovery. We wake up. Yeah. We have a spiritual connection, a spiritual awakening, right? Rip, Rip Van Winkle. Where the hell have I been for 20 years? <laughs> we come alive. Yep. And we, in coming alive, we connect to the world in a new way that we ne we haven't ever done before, right? Scary as hell. Scary, scary as hell, but beautiful. Yep. There's something to really appreciate. So, for example, early in, in, in um, this is a, just a weird little story about me, and I'm like three months sober, or three months after do, doing my fifth step with my sponsor, telling him everything about me. I have this kind of cl clarifying experience um, a few months later, I like wake up at six in the morning. I mean, I'm a guy who normally sleeps until noon <laughs> at that, that point, right? Not anymore. But up to that point, I was a late sleeper. I wake up at six in the morning. I put my boots on and I go out the door. It's not my normal behavior at all. Um, and I, I'm living in a, a small town in Maine, Western Maine. I walk up a hill. I climb a tree. <laughs> all like weird behaviors for me. And the sun is just rising. Uh, sounds like your inner monkey was coming yeah. out. Huh? <laughs> Weird. I just was like following these impulses. And uh, I'm up in this tree in the, in the woods in Maine. And there's like the sun breaks over the canopy. And there's like 50 different species of birds hopping around and singing. Right. Mm. 
just full of life, full of song, full of beauty. And it's like something in me was like, dude, you need to see how beautiful this world is. Right. Wow. Yeah. You need to you need to know this, that this is, you, this is you, a good. <laughs> your inner St. Francis is coming out, too. Hey, yeah. yeah. Were you talking to the birds? No, I was just kind of blown away. Right. I was just okay. sort of holy crap. Look at this. Okay. You know, they're darting around and jumping around and oh, yeah. color, colorful feathers and beautiful song. Yeah. Uh, and it changed something in me. I don't know. I probably if I wanted to be go the Frank, St. Francis route, I should have done that every day. <laughs> and then I could have had the flock. Right. Half measures availed us something. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's an example of an awakening experience, right? That's uh, the awakened heart is one that connects to the world, that listens to the world. That yeah, that is a touch. cloud a cloud goes by and you notice it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, it, it's stopping and feeling presence that you've maybe never felt before mm -hmm. tremendous power in it right right yeah. okay beautiful yeah awakened heart so her writing questions in that area are sort of around the the question of you know how uh how are we connected to the world and its beauty mm -hmm. what sort of things block us from that kind of awareness and then um meditating on the importance of that connection to our lives Right. Um, and it really is a kind of a centering our spirituality on that kind of connection to the natural world. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that I think is really important and specifically for climate activism, that's like a, a core piece. If you're going to maintain your, your investment and motivation to do that kind of activism, it should come from a place right. of that value. Right. Yeah. Uh, because in my thinking, I yeah. am separate from the world. Yeah. I want to control the world. Right. The world answers to me. I go right. through it and I'm missing it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Okay. That frame of mind, right, is exactly. I mean, some people would argue that frame of mind is sort of the problem and that climate change is just the consequence of a lot of people viewing the world that way, right? The knock on effects are. I can do whatever I want with the world, and then you get into a disaster, right? It's egotism, once again, is at the root of yeah. the world's problems. Right. right. It's yeah. not unlike addiction, and it may even be fair to call it a collective addiction. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you got to wake up to this. Mm -hmm. There's a waking up that certainly happens with the addict who's in recovery. There was some element, time, maybe place where there was an awakening. Yep. And which led to action. Yeah. But it's really just the first of many. And it's this is not so much related to addiction mm. as to my place in the world. Right. W waking up to that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's the awakened heart. Okay. Then we have broken heart. Broken and heart. Broken heart. Uh, and again, of course, Margaret would be better explaining all this. Um, but my understanding of it is that once we are awakened to and connected to the world and vulnerable to it, it breaks our hearts. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's painful. It's painful because the world, you look around and it's not in great shape, right? No. Right. 
which again is is a motivating force in climate activism, right? Is that uh oh things are going really really wrong? There's a big lots of big problems happening, and it's heartbreaking. It's painful to know that people are suffering, that the world is suffering, that we're losing so much daily, um, and that the consequences are very dire if change doesn't happen. Uh, to really be aware and attentive to that is an ongoing source of suffering, right? It can be very painful. Ramdas uh, used to talk about compassion fatigue. Mm, yep, sure. You know, it's like yeah. all the whales. I mean, you watch this on, you know, TV. Mm -hmm. Here come the kids with this, the people with that. Yeah. At some point, I mean, this is a very painful place, this yeah. world. Yeah. And I want to shut down to that. Right. Yeah. I won't get changed by it. Is this, is this, uh, maybe there's another option. I mean, there is. And I think that comes in with the, the radiant heart, but I, we don't, we don't want to bypass the broken heart. Let's stay there for a while. Go ahead. Talk more. Because it's important when the world is breaking your heart to acknowledge that and to grieve what you need to grieve. Okay. And, right. and, to, right. and to be present to the pain that that's there. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is just true in life. Things are going to happen. You're going to lose people that you love. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to show up at the emergency room for somebody and they may not make it and you can't do anything about it. And you just need to, your job is to be there and hurt. Right. Yeah. You have people going through, um, you know, all kinds of episodes and suffering in their life and in ways that you can't fix. And I mean, you should know this as a sponsor, right? If you're sponsoring people in, in 12 step recovery, uh, you have the power of your story and your insight, but there's a limit to what you can do to really you can't fix other people. Right. And so you're showing up with a, a heart that breaks over and over again for people who, uh, are suffering and your job is to, is to be that vulnerable and to hurt. Right. Uh, my grand sponsor had this <laughs> or great grand sponsor, uh, had this saying, uh, he would tell you when you came into recovery, he'd say, well, stick around and we'll show you how to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like, and he would laugh, right? Uh, it yeah. doesn't sound like a great promise, but it really is. Cause I don't know how to hurt. And I had encouragement from my sponsor who said, well, Bill, you're hurting in all the right areas. Mm. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of similar. Yeah. So the questions that Margaret is asking in this sort of uh, reflect. Because again, to go back yeah. to addiction, yeah. go ahead. In, in addiction, you want to short circuit that. Exactly. Yeah. You, you want to eat instead of hurt. Yeah. That's right. Even for a second. <laughs> Even for a second. Yeah. Right. I don't want and to I be alone. About eating, I, I noticed about eating addictions. I kind of studied this a little bit. Okay. Nobody eats hard things. It's okay. soft and mushy. Mm. It's mother's milk. Okay. <laughs> you see, it's ice cream. It's mashed potatoes. Uh -huh. It's give me that comfort yeah, right. that I'm not feeling right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to get lost in that yeah. for a minute. Right. Yeah. 
And that's not different from how I want to feel when I get high or how people no. feel when they want to drink or how people write this. We want that comfort instead of the pain of showing up and being vulnerable. Right. So staying with the broken heart, staying with the pain, paying attention to it. And, and, and in this case, writing reflectively about those parts of you that are hurting in this way. Right. Right. Name them. Talk to them, investigate them. Share them with other people. Let, let me inject something here uh, because yeah. uh, when I, I always tell people, you don't have to share this with anybody. Right. And as a matter of fact, when right. you're writing it, you're not going to share it with anybody. Mentally, that's the place where you're at. Yeah. That's right. the, the safety place. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now, after that, that's another stage, another phase. I think you're right. In yeah. sharing it is is really helpful, and it yeah. is the natural conclusion. But it doesn't have to be. That's true. That's a that's a really fair point to make, right? Yeah. Get it down uh, on paper. Yeah. Get it out of you. Get it where you can look at it, and yeah. not have it dominating you. Mm -hmm. And then get your guidance and see where you go with that, because there is great benefit to sharing. Yeah. Right. But there's also tremendous fear in having to. Right. And sometimes if you feel like you have to, you might not even go there in the first place. Right. Or, or you'll shade it. You might shade it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, yeah. the mentality of I don't have to share this and I'm not going to can right. get you through the writing part. Um, and it really is true that, you know, you're a free person. And if you decide I'm not ready to share this yet. That's right. Then that's a totally valid choice. That's right. And I'm yeah. betting on the Buddhists, and then life number 483 I'm, <laughs> might be ready. <laughs> there, oh, to anybody who's, who's in that kind of middle space, I would, I would say, bless you and whatever you need to do. And there's an incredible power in sharing something that we think is so unique to us and then finding out that that pain is shared by another human. Who doesn't is, judge us? Right? That's right. And th this is also, James, the place of tears, isn't it? Yeah. Right. I mean, there's just there's just nothing like it. Yeah. A good cry. Yeah, sure. Because it is sad. It's tremendously sad, some of the stuff we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Feel right. it. Feel it. Right. Instead of turn and, and don't turn away from the pain, because turning away from the pain is what makes you go back to being numb. Right. And it takes right. away from your being awakened again. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's the reason you don't want to connect anymore. Back right? to sleep. I want to go back to sleep. We got to go through the pain. We got to let our hearts break. And then, but then what? Yeah. Right? And so this is where she comes in and says radiant heart. Okay. And radiant heart is the person uh, or the state of being, right? Where we're both awakened and brokenhearted and uh, like sitting with that and taking action in the world anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's not an easy place to be, but it is a real, a real place to be. Right. And it is, I think it is the place that defines real solid sponsorship and 12 step work. And it's the place that defines a sustainable practice of activism in order to change the world to do better stuff. It has to come from an acknowledgement of the value and beauty that you're fighting for. And the brokenness and the pain that you experience around 
um, everything that's happening in this world. Right. And then it has to say, and in light of both of those things, and with the love and the hurt, I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do this, do this one thing, this simple thing to, um, to try to address and try to improve the world. Right? And when, if and when you're able to do that, yeah. something comes through you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I've, yes. In my limited experience, I found that that's o- Other than the ego. Yeah, it's not, this, it's not the yeah. ego. It's an right. experience of uh, the divine within the great reality within the beyond within call it what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you're then in sync with it. Right. And you're crying. Yeah. But at the same time, you're inviting people in. Mm hmm. And they want to go in. Right. Because there's a purity to it. There's a there's a cleansing to it. Mm-hmm. There's a reality to it that the world is just, uh, I mean, it's full of uh, crap. There's so <laughs> much crap around. And, and now you're seeing honesty. Mm-hmm. And you're touched by it. Right. Right. It's a beautiful thing. Right. It is a beautiful thing. It's a real power in being able to be in that place and yes. it is it is attractive in the sense of like people do want to be there i do i do i want to be in the place where it's right. all real and true and authentic right right i want that right. yeah, yeah i want yeah. to be able to confront the pain in the world and not be destroyed by it and run back into my little cave right i want to be able to do that and at this and at the same time i don't want that oh no that's right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's the split you yeah. know you were so- that, there's the split that. we started yeah. off talking about mm-hmm. and 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 whether it's writing or life but something has to break through and when it does mm, it's beautiful yeah. It's yeah. A beautiful beautiful thing yeah i do want to read one question from the radiant heart sure. uh self-examination mm-hmm. this is the last the last question in the series of questions that she asked okay and I think it, it's it's kind of it's actually a, a question that scares me. Okay. Good. It says, if you knew you could not fail, if you were set free from all fear, what would you do for the healing of our world? Mm-hmm. If you knew you could not fail, if you were set free from all fear, what would you do for the healing of our world? And she's that's not a question that says make a to-do list right that might generate that but it might not it just says imagine yourself in the place where you're beyond your fear and free enough to follow it and free yeah right to follow your bliss to follow your, right the your calling heart, your heart yeah. your heart your broken your heart awakened radiant heart right yeah and broken if we're able to follow that without right. limiting yourself well, and you knew you weren't going to fail what would you do what would right? you do yeah. yeah, I think those two conditions are really important I do um, because I'm always afraid to take action <laughs> of all kinds of stuff. Uh, and uh, the sense of like, well, what's the point anyway? I'm just going to fail. It's not going to work. It's not going to, nothing's going to, like that sort of negative banter in my head will prevent me from doing a lot of things. So right. this question says, set that aside, set aside the fear, imagine yourself past both of those things. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? 
Yeah. What are you doing for the healing of our world? And there were two, uh, I'm going to tell a little story here. When I was in the Jesuits uh, and I, I was, uh, I'm an alcoholic. I had no business being there, you know, but I was there and I looked around and I was awake enough to notice people who had it. Mm. And, and this is 50 some odd years ago, but there were two guys who stood out in my mind. And when you're talking about this, the, the, the thought that came back to me, one was a guy who uh, Jesuits are pretty smart, you know, go, go get their advanced degrees and go to Harvard and Yale and all this sort of stuff. And this one guy, he said, you know, they said, where do you want to go? And he went to Barnum and Bailey Clown School. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And he he became a clown. Wow. Yeah. And he would and he became an itinerant clown. So he would never stay anywhere longer than a week or two and then move on and tell mm -hmm. stories and juggle. And that was his ministry. Wow. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. You wouldn't uh, expect that. And they didn't like that. <laughs> the other guy, the other guy yeah. went to Cambodia. This is this is the humblest guy I ever knew. Hmm. His name was Bob Matt, M-A-A-T. Yeah. I still got his, he gave me his Bible. I still have it. Hmm. Uh, but he, he he's the closest I've ever come to a saint. Hmm. And he went over to Cambodia with the monks and he sat. He answered that question that you're hmm. asking. Hmm. He answered it. Right. And he went. Mm, right. You know? And they kicked him out, I, th I think. Okay. It's like, you can't, the, the, the machine can't yeah. stomach right. oftentimes right. if you go and do what life is calling you to do. Uh, uh. Be prepared for people not to accept it. Right. Be, in addition to yourself. Right. Not wanting to accept it. Right. But hats off to those who do it. This is why it's such a scary question. Damn right it is. It's like, what if I sit down with this thing and it tells me you should go to clown school? <laughs> right. Uh-oh. That's right. right? Uh-oh. That's right. <laughs> or I'm supposed to fly to Cambodia or whatever it is. Like That's right. There's a lot of power in the question when I, like there's layers of uh, resignation to the state of the world. And there's layers of fear about what people will think that are like, that I'm not even aware of inside me, right? And if I really let those unroll, who knows what could come up? This is, this is, our, this is our reoccurring theme in this podcast, right? Is who knows what might come up? And mm -hmm. the, the power and, of course, the fear around that is, is real, but also the beauty, the beauty of being a, a clown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. And it goes by, you know, find your voice. Yeah. Find your true self. Mm -hmm. If this isn't the ultimate aim of recovery, or as you say, discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're still playing a game. Right. Now, the game can go on for years. I mean, it's not, I, I, I don't know that you know on day two in uh, detox uh you're gonna set off to be a missionary 
<laughs> Probably not a good idea. No, if you think you would need to, then you should talk to somebody you first. You might want to check that one out. Or if yeah. I'm married and I've got four kids and God's calling me to do this, that, look again. Right. <laughs> you know, find you it where you are. Yeah, right. Find it where you are. And if you've really found it where you are, then you're going to go where you need to go. But it's not going to be by going there I'm going to find it. No, no, no. Uh, sure, sure, sure. That's right. the trap. That's the trap. If I just get away from all this stuff, then I'll discuss. Right. No. If yeah. I can't handle it here, I'm not going to handle it there. No, it's right here in my circumstances. What's the thing that needs to be done? That's right. right. Yeah. 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 Very beautiful. You got Audrey Lord. Sure. Yeah. So this is something. This is something I'm working on now. Um, so obviously the book exists. Recovery writing. Um, but the the work of finding new uh, writing exercises is not done. Um, I'm keeping track. Every month I try to uh, research and write a little bit about a new one, a new okay. writing, new to me writing exercise. Sure. Um, I have got a little blog going called. Uh, let's see, where would you find this? If you go to recoverywriting.org and you click on newsletter, it'll take you through. Otherwise, it's recoverywriting.substack.com. And every month uh, you send, send that to me and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and it's, uh, you know, every month there's a new post that says like, here's this kind of writing that people are doing for their recovery. Here's how it works. And here's a sort of how to, how to do it. Right. Um, probably the next one that's going up is just like a, Hey, listen to this podcast. So if you're already listening to the podcast, the new post is not going to be very interesting, but previous ones might be. Um, the one I'm working on right now is sort of related to the resilient heart exercise that we talked about. And it's a kind of inventory that comes not from recovery, but I think could be useful to people in recovery, especially those of us who are interested in this. How do I make the world a better place mm -hmm. stuff? Right. This comes from Audrey Lord, uh, who identifies as a black lesbian feminist poet. Um, it comes from her book, uh, the cancer, cancer journals. She can, she gets breast cancer. Um, and she writes a series of essays about the experience of that. And so when you have a pretty heavy diagnosis like that, obviously there's a really a deep spiritual confrontation that happens, which is the confrontation of you with your own mortality, right? Mm. I might die soon, right? They just told me I have cancer. This is real. This, this could happen right now. If this one doesn't get me, something's going to get me. Right. And you're, you're, it's really present to you all of a sudden in a way that's not usually in your normal life, because that's another thing that we try to hide from and push down. Right. So she's going through that. She's also confronting the, um, the layers of misogyny and racism that are built up in the healthcare system. And so in combination with her spiritual process of confronting her mortality, she's also encountering ways in which um, well-meaning people in the medical establishment are trying to prevent her from or, or, or soften the blow, I guess, of that of that confrontation sure. with mortality. Right. Oh, yeah. um, and so she's she's really great at sort of critiquing, like observing and, and then offering her critique of that whole process. Um, and along the way, she asks a couple of questions uh, that are quite powerful. 
okay, for anybody kind of in the, in a mode to sort of, and these are questions that sort of place our spiritual experiences, which are not always pleasant. Sometimes they're confrontations with death. Place mm -hmm. our spiritual experiences in the in the, in the in the kind of social context, okay. Um, and for her, what she comes out of what she comes out of the experience with is this notion that I only have so much time. My job is to say what I have to say. My job is to is I mean she's a writer, she's a poet, so that's already kind of her job. But even more so, right? Uh, there's things that she's holding back. She can't do that anymore, right? There's limited time. It's she now or never. It's it's now, now or never. never. Got to be said, right? Right. right. Got to let these things out. So she asked these questions. This is on if you have the book, it's on page fourteen. Um, she says, "What are the words you do not yet have? What do you need to say?" Uh, so this is this is kind of like going into territory that we've already kind of covered to some extent, right? The, there's things inside me that need to be said. I don't even know what they are. I'm not sure I have language for them yet, but I know I need to say something. So she's saying. What is that? Get that up, get that out, right? Another question she asks is, um, what are the tyrannies you swallow day by day and attempt to make your own until you will sicken and die of them still in silence? Mm. That's a heavy question, right? It is, uh, yeah. What are the tyrannies you swallow day by day? So this is like, She's a she's a black lesbian feminist poet. She's not uh, unfamiliar with oppression and suffering, and she's saying, "What are those forces that are pushing that are pushing on your life, right? Um, and that you attempt to make your own?" There's a, I think what she means there. Uh, the people better qualified to tell you what she means there. But what I think she means there is, we can internalize that stuff, right? The ways in which. Um, we can let them define us. Yes. Right. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. And we come to think of ourselves that way. Right. Right. Uh, and it becomes, it becomes who we think we are. Right. And until you die of them. Yeah. Right? And this is where the self-hatred yeah. comes up. Right. Uh, if, I mean, if that's not a part of a fifth step, mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm always um, leery of, of them. Because I think it goes to core. Right. It's a big scab you don't want to take off. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And okay. it's a really. But she, yeah. didn't, she didn't have time, so she's taking it off. She's right. taking it off, ripping it off, and she's encouraging us to do the same thing. There's more questions there, and there's, a, there's another poet who subsequently took those questions and sort of formalized it into a kind of a self examination exercise. And there's some other folks who have taken other writings by her and have turned them into self-examination exercises yeah what i like about these questions are i mean i think the questions should be few mm -hmm. yeah but deep right i hate seeing 50 or 100 questions <laughs> right. it just drives me nuts well it'll take you forever for one thing right and it and it leads you nowhere it might you might if you have to get through them all you're going to go bip, 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 right that's right and you want to sit with something like this, like the tyrannies that are sickening you, and you right. want to let it sink in. Yeah, and it, it may take some time, you know. That's why people would ask, you know, what, what should I ask in two-way prayer, you know? Uh, and, and can I repeat it? Well, I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Because yeah. you keep going back to it, because it's layer after layer after layer of, yeah. of, of waking up, of hurting, 
and then of going forward what's your guidance where is god leading you where is life leading you right 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 and will you follow or will you not and and sometimes no i'm a coward i'm not doing it you know no cambodia today right right well one of the helpful things uh in talking with you over these podcasts to me has been that we're sort of muddling our way forward right that's right that it's not it's not just a yes or no now or never do or die you got it or you don't it's like you're always being called there's always a thing to do you're not going to do all of them no. <laughs> you're gonna screw no, some no. Of those up, but you're going to keep showing up to it anyway right that muddlers anonymous yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah. well you and i are charter members no well you've done your thing and i've i've uh in my way i've done mine i mean it's uh you know what are what is life calling you to do mm-hmm. uh what are the excuses you're making for not answering the call yeah right and then have you got the guts to go and do it yeah e- even if it's just dabbling yeah you know even it's just getting your feet wet up to your knees but, you oh, you know? got to. i think that's so important to do the first little thing right that's right that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and yet you know it's who you are yeah so that's beautiful that's beautiful well james this has um it's been a delight uh yeah likewise yeah uh, i've really had fun and and i'm sure uh the listeners uh have enjoyed it uh as well Uh, you have a lot to say encourage people to uh pick up a copy of james's book recovery writing even more important, I encourage you to pick up the pen yep. <laughs> and start writing yourself. That's right. That's you, know, right. <laughs> you can read about it and never pick up the damn pen. Uh, John Bradshaw used to say, uh, um, when, when, when people die and they go to heaven, they're going to see two doors. And, and one door will say heaven, and the other door will say a lecture about heaven (laughs) and most people will go to the lecture lecture. oh i can see the temptation yeah (laughs) okay uh again uh, really really good thank you james for all your time and uh and your work on this book it was was really really helpful and um hope you guys have uh gained some stuff from that drop james a line if you did send us a line uh we'll put both of those in the uh in the show notes. So um, not sure what the next uh, series is going to be, but uh, I will go to my back porch and I will do my two-way prayer and God will give you some guidance. So whatever the hell it is, <laughs> I'll see you there. Take care, James. Thanks, care, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.